Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and we are joined in person. The man who left the Married with Children set. Yeah. Uh, right. He adjourned the No Ma'am meeting. That was Chicago. That was a, that was a big hit. I, I almost felt like putting a monitor behind me here in studio to have yeah. that set on it. Maybe we can get it printed That's out. That's what we should recreate. I mean, we've got the staircase here. We could just rearrange this room a little bit and be <laughs> right there in Al Bundy's office. But, Don, uh, welcome back. How was RSA? Uh, it was great. You know, I've been to a couple of in-person conferences now since the pandemic is kind of winding down. Uh, and most of them have been ghost towns, a little bit sad. But this one was packed. There were over 20,000 people. It was crazy. I uh, got to meet uh, a lot of new people, saw some familiar faces. It was it was a good time. And we are also joined by the great Daniel Lowry. Daniel, how are you? Wow, I don't think I've ever been described as great, but I'll take it. What the heck? A win's a win, right? Great so I'm big pain in the ass. Yeah, it is then. I didn't say that it wasn't have a negative connotation behind it, but, you know, what are you yeah. going to do? Well, we've got a lot of big news this week. Um, I guess not really anything that came out of RSA, right? There's some, you know, some I was hacks. holding off on that because I, I met a, a lot of startups and new yeah. companies and I'm, I'm trying to boil it down to just a handful and maybe we can talk about them one day or, or maybe we'll drip it out through episodes. Cool. Well, there was enough news to, yeah. to fill our plate for sure, uh, including a a real good tinfoil hat that we'll get to in a little bit that I'm excited to, to dive into. Uh, but let's go ahead and start first with an article from PCWorld.com. Microsoft wants to ditch HDD boot drives. A new report says Microsoft will require solid-state boot drives for new laptops and desktops starting next year. That's pretty soon. Why would you want to make a move like that? Like, what is it a security reason? Well, so it's really an experience reason. I don't know if you guys remember the first time you got a computer that booted off of an SSD, which you know for me was many years ago now, probably eight or nine years ago, quite some time. But when you switch from booting off of a spinning disk where your boot time was 45 seconds, a minute, you know, depending on, on what all you had running, to today where you boot off an SSD and you boot in like 15 seconds, it's night and day. It's a huge difference. And so you really have two different groups of people having two completely different experiences when they use something like Windows or Mac OS or whatever. So it makes sense that at some point you need to draw the line and say, look, Spinning disks are fine for storage, but let's stop booting off of them. Things like having your computer hibernate and then wake up quickly from hibernation really relies on SSD to get that speed. Otherwise, you're having to write gigs of memory from spinning disk back into RAM, and that takes forever. So it's just not a good experience. More and more people are using laptops over desktops, and that's really driving this forward. Now, if Microsoft was making this announcement five years ago, I'd say it's kind of iffy. But today... I. I think if you go and buy, like if you just go to Best Buy and look at the the laptops and stuff that are on display, almost all of them have an SSD for their boot disk anyway. The pricing on that has come down significantly. So I don't think it's that big of a deal in the general scheme of things. And it, it really just shows that it, it, it's time to move to an SSD if you haven't already. When you say an SSD for the boot disk, would you have a separate one then for your your hard drive in the computer? If saying? you chose to, right? So, um, you know, for example, my my son's computer when I got him one, I knew he was going to install a bunch of video games. He'd need a bunch of storage, right? So we did, if I remember right, I did like a 256 gig NVMe disk for his boot disk, and then a two terabyte spinning disk for him to install games on. Well. 
it ended up being kind of a uh, double-edged sword, I guess, because he had a lot of storage, but it was slow storage. And so eventually we had to replace that. We didn't have to, but we did replace it with an SSD, so it'd be a little bit faster. But if you've got tons of like archive storage or just videos, things that you don't really need high-speed storage for, you can still really max out your capacity with SSD. I mean, sorry, with HDDs, with spinning disks, and not have to spend the SSD dollars. So, um, uh, Daniel, you've got like a media server. Is your media server still spinning disks? You or know, I, w- I want to say that that media server is spinning. I mean, definitely the um, the attached storage is spinning disk. Um, I, I want to say that the internal storage is also spinning disk. It's like a 2012 Mac Mini, mm-hmm. so probably a spinning disk in there. What's interesting, though, is like I have two laptops, I have a laptop that I've had for years. It's like 10 years old. It sits at my desk. I use it for, oh, I need to look something up or just random things. You know, it's running a, a, a Linux operating system. So, and from time to time, I will, I will judge its performance based on boots uh, against my Lenovo, which is only maybe two years old with an NVMe, and it beats it in boot. It beats it decrypting the disk, and it beats it in boot. Of the operating system. Interesting. Yeah. That's why I'm like, well, I don't have the same experience of what they're talking about here. I'm actually getting a faster boot time with my spinning disk than I am for my MVME. And they're both encrypted. So they both have to do de-encryption. And then like, the time it takes for me to get booted and logged in to my spinning disk drive, which is 10 years old, versus my two-year-old NVMe is probably around 30 seconds faster. Really? Yeah. See, I, I would say that probably indicates there's something wrong with your NVMe, or it's in some your, legacy mode maybe, or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't be. It should be like right. an it order should be of magnitude like different. Crazy fast, right? Yeah. yeah. So back to this use case. Would this only apply to Windows 11, like the current version, and, and moving forward? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That that's their their idea. And and since they're introducing this after Windows 11 came out, I'll be curious to see if they if they actually restrict that. Because I, I can't see them doing that. So it'll probably be whatever the next major version of Windows is before we really see them limit things down. Interesting. Hmm. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that as the uh, the countdown to when that takes place takes place. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, stick with hardware and move over to Tom'sHardware.com. Uh, Quantum Chip brings 9,000 years of compute down to microseconds. So there's a computer right now that's been working on something for 9,000 years. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. We've got this new computer that can do it. <laughs> yeah. It's pre-Diluvian <laughs> computer. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, is, is this like a, a standard benchmark test that they use or something? There's something where we can say if we did this process, it would take this long? Yeah. And, and the benchmark is kind of BS because it's not tied to a real world activity, but it is a, a benchmark that they're using for measuring quantum computer speeds. And what they're showing, where I find this kind of interesting, is giving us at least a number that we can measure off. Because a lot of people hear, hey, quantum computers are fast. All right. Well, how fast? Well, it uh, you know uh, so many qubits per whatever. And it, you know, it's just meaningful or meaningless stuff. Yeah. We just have no idea what it is. So with this one, they're actually saying, look, we can take a computation that would normally take nine thousand years and handle it in a matter of microseconds. Now, where I normally hear this uh, as like a sysadmin is password strength, right? That the like way to we crack a password, the way we encrypt yeah. a password, that right now it might take thousands of years to decrypt that password, to decrypt that encrypted network traffic. But in the future, computers will be able to break that. And so vendors like Cisco and, and RSA and all these other people have been coming up with next gen encryption that is what they call post quantum computing encryption. So it's supposed to be strong enough 
to protect even when people use Post quantum computers. And so here we actually see a number like if your password took a thousand years to break in the past or if decrypting your 128-bit SSL encryption took a hundred years, well, for this type of process, if you have access to this resource, you could do it in less than a second. And so it shows how, how kind of fragile some of our security is. I, I have a quick question about this, though. So from what I understand, and I'm not a quantum physicist in any well, capacity. Yeah, you, you need a lab coat. Yeah, right. I'm completely without my lab coat today. <laughs> so because it deals with the quanta, it, can, it deals in probability. It's only this is probably what will be the answer, not necessarily that it would be the answer. So how do they know that the answer that they received is the correct answer to... The computation. So in in their benchmarks, the way that they do it is they already know the answer, right? So, so how it, did they do that without using nine thousand years of computations? Oh, so, so like they, they build the test, right? So, okay. So think about like how you could test a gotcha, password. Gotcha. You know, if yes, if you build the test, you already know what the password is. Got, so you yes. can measure against. Okay, it. Okay, yep. that makes sense. Yeah, and the load bar said <laughs> nine thousand years remaining. And it was like counting up. And, you know, wouldn't that really suck? Because it gets all the way down to one year remaining. Ugh. But then it sits there for like 20 years. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> and then it start, the line starts over. You're like, wait yeah. a second. This line was not actually yeah. meaningless. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's exciting. Uh is this is this a theoretical computer? Like it's it's one, you know, one off thing that they made. It's not obviously in well, uh, it wouldn't be a production computer. So th this is actually a, a real a real thing. And you can even try it yourself because it's connected to Amazon's quantum offering, which I forget what it's called, Amazon Rack or something like that, Racket, <laughs> yeah, whatever it's called. Uh, but you could actually try it yourself. The biggest challenge here is this benchmark is not fully standardized yet. Mm -hmm. Like no two companies can agree on how to measure quantum computer speed. So Google says they've got the fastest quantum computer and they measure it their way. IBM says they have the fastest one, and they measure it a different way. And so, you know, these guys, uh, this company is called Xanadu, they have chosen their own, this uh, what they call the Gaussian boson sampling, or GBS. They, they chose whichever one they were leading in. Yeah. Right. I think they made <laughs> this one. Well, that's like saying we have the most powerful engine, and it's like, well, it's torque, or it's yeah. horsepower. Yeah. However they choose to yeah. measure it. It's, yep. Yeah. So same thing here. This isn't necessarily something you can turn around and apply. So there's not a real world action here, but it's more of just a like a warning to say if you're relying on weaker encryption protocols, if you've made fun of post-quantum encryption, well, time to stop making fun of it. Now it's time to actually find out how to implement it. Yeah, yeah. Why would anybody make fun of that? I mean, let's let's just say that quantum in, in um, computing is, is a bunch of garbage and is all bull crap anyway. Mm -hmm. But even if that's the case, would you not still want stronger encryption? Well, let's say that I gave you a firewall yeah. that was capable of handling VPNs. Yeah. And then I said, if you do standard encryption, you can push a gigabit of traffic. So but it, if it becomes do, a bottleneck. If you do next gen, you can do 300 megabits of traffic. Gotcha. Right? Now, that's not a made-up Don story. That's a Cisco that's ASA legit. firewall. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, you know, you have to look at it and say, is it... Is it worth it today yeah. to give up that extra bandwidth, or do I wait until people actually have quantum computers? Well, now it's a bit of a gamble. Like, when does it make sense yeah. to say, oh, now it's time to drop the bandwidth? Yeah, it's like, do I need to buy the 4K TV before there's any 4K content yeah. that's available so well, I have I mean, it the day it comes wouldn't out? Wouldn't we probably start like, um, prioritizing different types of traffic, saying, this is the most sensitive traffic I have, therefore, speed is not the issue. 
security is the issue. Hmm. So I want the tightest security. Other traffic is not as secure. Therefore, we don't have to use this tight security. Yeah. Yeah. Would that probably be the way it goes until everything kind of catches up? Yeah, you know, we we interviewed a company a while back where they were talking about how they could, you know, encrypt certain data and send it over fiber, and then the rest of your data would go over copper. So you had different speeds, like different classifications. You can certainly do stuff like that. Uh, it would be nice to reach that point where you just said, you know what, I'll encrypt it all to the same high level. Yeah. But hardware is still catching up to that. Interesting. All right. <laughs> I agree. <Interesting. laughs> Clearly. All right, let's move on now to our next article from TechCrunch.com. Mac OS will soon block unknown USB-C accessories by default. So um, we've talked before, you know, with Daniel about some of the um, the things you can get from like Hack Five. The um, what was that? What was the, the USB? cable? Yeah. yeah, OMG cable. OMG cable. Yeah, so that you could you plug in. Looks like a real cable, and and uh, you know, it looks like a charging cable for an iPhone, and you can trick your your computer. So basically, we're saying anything that's not like signed by basically Mac? yeah yeah okay. so they're 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 coming in and saying well, they haven't given us all the full details yet right uh, but basically what they're saying is at some point soon most likely when macOS 13 comes out uh, which we talked about last week right macOS 13 Jesse Ventura um, when that one comes out uh, that they'll turn this option on and basically what they're doing is saying if you've got existing USB devices plugged in they'll be automatically recognized. But beyond that point, any new USB-C device that you plug in, if it's uh, if it's gone through Apple's approval program, you know, like they have the MFI or made for mm -hmm. iPhone, well, they have something similar for their Macs. Uh, if it's been through that process, you'll be able to plug it in and it'll work right away. But if it hasn't been through that process, if it's an unrecognized device, when you plug it in, as an administrator, you'll have to authorize that device to connect. Now, that's a really good thing, and I wish that was already turned on. And even this one, it doesn't really go far enough. It's just USB-C. Apple can do that because they've only got USB-C ports on most of their... Well, wait, I'm going to take that back, right? Because the new Mac Pros have all sorts of ports, right? Uh, do they? Oh, wait. I'm on a yeah. new Mac Pro. I could just look at the damn thing. Well, it's got a few. You got something no, that's different. Well, you no, got HDMI. No regular USB, though. So right. Garbage. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> USB-C ports. So that's how they're turning it on. But I think it should have been on for all of the ports on, on other devices, too, because you have things like the, the Hack 5, what's it called? Rubber Ducky? The rubber Ducky. Right? So the USB yep. key, you plug it in, it starts running scripts and doing things. Yep. And I, I don't know if there was something about the old USB-A ports where maybe they just couldn't control that. But with USB-C, they can. So as as a sysadmin, for our listeners that are out there, if you're supporting Macs and you go to Mac OS 13, you're going to start getting tickets from users saying, hey, I tried to plug Plug in. My printer doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And it has an option to either continue or not continue. What do I do? Well, it'll, you'll have to be an administrator to continue. Oh, do you really? Yeah, you have to have admin rights to be able to authorize it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not so allowed to use it. That's why the tickets there, are coming. Are they not going to have the ability to like say, okay, we have multi, this is a multi-user system, and not everybody's going to be an administrator, but everybody will need to connect peripherals. That seems like, like a short-sighted problem like well, issue if you're using like the profile manager or yeah. you have mdm set up you can actually pre-approve usb uh what are those called the identifier strings that they have the hids hardware id i don't know it's got, you know, yeah. whatever the usb identifier string is so you can pre-approve them i'll so tell you then right it now, bypasses a, all the security that, that is right? a pain in the butt well well you're it, you're whitelisting it based on something that you know is okay yeah, you know yeah. like we got those crazy docking stations here at the office so if we know their usb hardware identifier we can pre-approve those docking stations. Yeah. An attacker comes along with a rubber ducky, 
that that's not going to work. But again, you're you're back to your issue with like nothing but help desk tickets because I brought my USB drive in and it's not working. But before I brought this the ticket was I have a virus because I brought my yeah on your Mac. Well, no, because I brought the USB. But this is a Mac, right? Yeah, you're Mac right. They don't get viruses. So, I remember yeah. seeing that. Let me let me build off of, of Daniel's though, because if if somebody were to call me and say, Don, I'm trying to plug in my I brought in my USB key from home and I can't plug yeah. it in, I would say. You're not allowed to use your USB key from home, oh. right? Uh, because with, with GDPR, <laughs> with with uh, like you know, we're we're going through the ISO twenty seven thousand and one certification process yeah. right now, right? And part of that is we say all of our data is encrypted at rest. What about your USB key you brought from home? Yeah, I don't know, right? So I would tell that person, I'm sorry, you can't use that key. Gotcha. You know, we want to control that. All right, so question. The, the first thing I thought of when seeing this was, what if I plug in uh, that docking station, for example, and it says, yep, that docking station is good to go, that's approved, and now I plug in the rubber ducky to the USB-A port on, on the dock. Yeah. Does that come back through and that's see that question. as a new USB? So they actually said that if it's an approved hub, and, and the way it was worded didn't sound like user-approved, sounded like Apple-approved. Okay. If it was an Apple-approved hub then the devices plugged into that hub would be authorized. Now, a lot of the devices, like the Rubber Ducky, the exploit that they use to actually run scripts and do things requires them to be directly plugged in. A lot of that stuff doesn't work when plugged into a hub, so you get some protection. But hackers are creative, and it would yeah. not surprise me for them to come up with something new to stack on top. Is a hub the same as, like, a dongle? Because I have a couple of those little, you know, it's just, you know, half an yeah. inch long USB-C mm, yeah, to that's a, that's a USB-A. Hub. That's still ca- yeah. called a hub. Well, it, it is when you're talking about, like, USB 2.0 and whatever, right. but when you're talking about USB-C, C? a hub is not a hub anymore. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, it actually true. has logic to it. That's why they're so expensive. Well, yeah. that and they're greedy capitalists. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gotta love it. This love d- is one necessarily the other? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. It's like a new new fun challenge for the hackers. To- it, well, you know what they'll probably end up doing is finding ways to mimic approved devices. Yeah. yeah. Spoof an ID. Yeah. Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago where uh, somebody, NVIDIA or somebody was signing uh, they'd, they'd hacked into that, right? So they yeah. were signing things that signing were drivers. actually malicious, but um, the computer thought it was fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens and, and certainly keep an eye on Hack 5 because they'll be the ones to take Plus advantage the, of this. There was also a couple of, of devices that were not on this list of that needed to be approved or disapproved. One was like charging cables. Oh, yeah. That, right? There was a few devices that it was like, oh, external monitors. They, they, they said that even, even if a device was refused, it could still supply power or it could still charge yeah. even. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But that was for the the refused device. There were some that they said does not require permission, and one being a charging cable. Now, the the OMG cable probably would still pop because it's doing things other than charging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though you right. think it's a charging cable, right. the computer knows it's... Right, so there's probably some logic in there that's still going to put the kibosh on that, but... Interesting. I'll, I'll I'll be interested in seeing who the first person is that gets around that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be reporting on that soon. I hope it's you. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's neat that uh, that it holds these devices off while the screen is locked. Yeah, so you have to unlock it. You know, that's how my phone is. Like yeah. if I plug my phone into the computer, I have to unlock my phone before I can sync. So an extra level of security. Yeah. I, unless people are walking away from their desks unlocked. Yeah, it's all good. You know, yeah, attacker what? can do all sorts of stuff then anyway. Never I guess. do that. I never do that. <laughs> never happened. Who changed my screensaver? Yeah. Again. All right. Uh, well, let's take a look. Uh, before we take a break, let's go ahead and find out who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! Gross. 
<laughs> All right. This one comes to us from bleepingcomputer.com. Online gun shops in the U.S. hacked to steal credit cards. It looks like a couple in particular uh, – He's about to say the, the title makes it sound all like of them. all of them all got of them. hacked. Yeah. Well, they all—it's all one company. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> uh, two American gun shops: uh, Rainier Arms and Numeric. Numeric. Numeric gun. I don't know. I, I had never heard of either of them. I mean, I know Mount Rainier, so that's probably where it comes true. from. Yeah, Rainier. Um, um, but I, I don't know any any numericches. Uh, <laughs> so they have had a. a card skimmer infections on their site. So that means that they didn't necessarily get. The old orders stored, but they were just getting right. the kind of the man in the middle on the stuff yeah. coming through. You see this a lot with people who set up websites like Squarespace pages or uh, you know a WordPress site with an e-commerce like a WooCommerce plugin or whatever. Uh, WordPress is a constant nightmare to keep updated and, and secured, and so these these worms will basically crawl the internet looking for non-secured servers, manage to inject their credit card skimmer, and then when you pull up a page, your page is secured, you type in your credit card info or whatever, and when whatever your shopping cart is is writing that credit card and sending it to the processor, the credit card skimmer sends a copy to the attacker or writes it to a file that the attacker can retrieve later. I don't I feel like this was most likely not targeted at these gun shops. It's just the gun shops happen to have non-secured mm. web pages. And so, you know, they got compromised. They did figure it out. And this one goes, it reminds me of something that Daniel said about what the, the average time it takes before the, uh, the first indicator of compromise, right? So how long yeah. does it take for somebody to realize they've been compromised? So this was discovered on March 28th, 2022. Um, and after doing checking, they found that they had been infected since January 23rd. So they were actually infected oh, wow. for two full months that's, so that's not bad, actually. I, so the average time is 90, or I'm sorry, uh, 200 days. Oh, nice. Nine months, which has increased. Uh, I saw a report the other day that said it, the time to uh, detect initial compromises up 13 days. Wow. Um, so, yeah, because yeah, I assumed yeah. reading the headline, because when it came out, you're like, oh, this is hacktivism, you know, it's response to Uvalde or something like that. But you're right. You this is good old fashioned cybercrime. Yeah, it's yeah. your regular kind of, uh, of yeah. cybercrime and not just the. The new stuff. That now, mage cart went through a bunch of systems oh, yeah. and was doing that for a long time. So this isn't anything new. It's just hitting these couple of gun manufacturers. Now, obviously, this one's a little more sensitive because of the, yeah. the gun side of it, right? So the, the, the attackers, they're probably just trying to get credit card information, right? But now they've got some data that we saw when there, there was that UK gun store or gun registry that was compromised yeah. last year yeah, I remember where talking about they that. released that list online. And so it was like a checklist of here's the homes that have guns in them. Right. Well, something like that could happen here. But what I thought was interesting, it was discovered on March 28th. They didn't actually plug the hole until April 5th, a full week later. Hmm. So it took them one week to plug the hole. And for that week, they knew credit card data was being compromised. And continued to make sales. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, apparently so. Oh. So I, I, I'm not an incident response person, but I do know that like some incident response playbooks will say that you don't necessarily stop the attack. It's a calculated risk a lot of, or some, in some cases where you're like, we need to learn more information about how the attack is working. Maybe they're uh, sandboxing things. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we're not getting the full story on why did they, That's if they true. knew there was a, a, a compromise and they continued to take payments they're either legally culpable for doing something wrong and allowing more information to leak out, or they had a specific game plan in place that allowed for those payments to continue to be made pay be 
taken without compromising yeah. further along the network. Well, at least in a case like this, too, it's pretty easy to look back and say, okay, what were the sales made yeah. from when this started to ended? Yep. Let's notify these people so right. they can at least get that, that info changed. Yep, and I think the moral of the story here is that if you're going to buy a firearm, you should uh, just use cash in a back alley like everybody else. So Bitcoin. what's funny? <laughs> what's funny is like in America, most of the people that are like gun people, they're like, oh hell yeah, come to my house, come and get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they'll be like, well, this guy didn't buy a sight, so yeah. we can probably be fine. He's here. probably all right. Though. This dude bought three night vision goggles to go with his. Uh, you know, AR, I, so. I didn't even think about the accessories and the yeah. other things yeah. that you purchase from a gun shop. Yeah, that, that, that makes he sense. Bought seven clips. <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe uh, pass on that. Careful, yeah, this yeah, guy, yeah, next, this house, next house, next house. Yeah. This guy's got lasers. He is not playing. If you haven't seen the. Uh, uh, was it the uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company or whatever it is that they, heard of it. they've done a couple of skits like that where it's like when people break into gun owners' houses yeah. <laughs> or when a horror movie happens at a gun owner's yeah, house. It's, it's a shorter movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is indeed. Movie. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. We do have a couple more fun stories to get to, so we'll get to those right after this quick break on TechNet with Tom Bissett. Welcome to IT Pro TV, an e-learning company with thousands of hours of engaging video training for IT professionals with fresh content added daily. What makes IT Pro TV stand out? It all starts with our edutainers who create better than classroom experiences for training you look forward to watching. So an edutainer is someone who takes a topic, an, an educational topic, and makes it more fun, enjoyable. My vision for IT Pro TV was to make the product that I wish I had when I got started. The dashboard is great because you can actually pick up right where you left off. You can also end up seeing new courses that are available to you, and with a membership, you have access to a variety of study tools. Follow along with virtual labs and test your skills with practice tests. And unlike traditional training, you aren't handcuffed to your desk. Sure, you can watch from there or from your couch with Apple TV and Roku apps, or from anywhere with mobile apps. The training is even available for download. If you're ready to watch and learn with the IT pros, check out the flexible membership choices online today at www.itpro.tv. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Dom Pazette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Pazette. A lot of news uh, still to get to, a couple of Interesting ones, though, that we've saved here for the end. Uh, this first one. <laughs> <laughs> like how you put that. Well, you'll see. You'll see yeah. Because this first article is part of our segment, That Makes No Sense. Uh, it make no sense. It make no sense. No, it make no sense. What you talking about, Willis? House beats right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funky. All right. This one is comes to us from Coindesk.com, which didn't they just... Like fire half their staff. Uh, that was Coinbase. Coinbase. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're in like the. They laid off eighteen percent of their staff. Yeah. The that says Bitcoin is that was Coinbase. Coinbase. Yeah. <laughs> this is part of the Farmers Association. <laughs> yeah. This uh, site is completely powered by <laughs> yeah, corn syrup. That's weird. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, Jack Dorsey's TBD announces Web3 competitor, Web5. <laughs> uh no, it makes total sense because they take the best of Web 2.0 uh-huh. and Web 3. Oh, they put it together. Two plus three is five. All right, so let's just dig dig through some of this like piece <laughs> by piece. So Jack Dorsey, this is the, the Twitter guy. Yes, the Twitter guy. Okay, and TBD is his company. Yes, which TBD is actually a subsidiary Isn't that the of... oil you buy at a gas station makes your joints feel better? That's CBD. Oh, CBD. That's <laughs> yeah, CBD. Sure. Now I have to remember who the parent company is of TBD. Um, they Alphabet? Are, oh, uh, <laughs> block. 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 Yeah, the Oh, the, the Block subsidiary. It's in, yeah, it's in, okay. Yep. And so, and then it's, Web3 competitor, Web5. And Jenny is from it, right? Jenny is from the Block. Gotcha. Yes. Yep. Yep. Don't be fooled by the rocks that she has. <laughs> um, so, to, to clarify, did they say, hey, we're skipping four, or is somebody else already like, no, we're on four. If you want to make your own, you can go to five. You know, what What was the movie series? Daniel, you'll know this. Where they, <laughs> they skip, was it House, or it was one of those, like, <clears throat> B-horror films from the 80s where they skipped a number? Uh, they skipped a number. Yeah, maybe it was Leprechaun or you know, one of. I mean, something like that where they skipped. They skipped a number. it on purpose, or they just like we made a four, right? And yeah. so House was a good series, by the way. It was in not not the medical house. I, we gotta find it. The now. horror movie. Well, I tell you what, you can Very talk about this. Well, I that's the kind of thing that I am like your research staff. Okay. While you talk about confusing things like, it was, like Web three. It was a B horror film where they they skipped over a number, and it was because the director or writer or somebody said yeah. like. I liked part three and part two, didn't like part one, and so we'll just skip to five or I mean, some, some crap like <laughs> that. Because that's how numbers and, work. <laughs> and so they, they, they jumped ahead. Um, I feel like it was how, uh, whatever. But basically what, what, what Dorsey is doing is he's saying it's time for a better internet, right? And I, I think we've talked about this before, that the internet we have right now has two huge problems. And so one problem is uh, there's anonymity, right? And so attackers can operate in the open without any repercussions and no way to stop them, uh, which makes the internet a very dangerous place. And then the second thing is that companies are preying upon us for our personal information. And once your information gets on the internet, that's it, it's out there, and you cannot take it back ever again, right? So that's why we have things like revenge porn and, and all that other stuff that uh, is just you know a real negative aspect of the internet. So People are trying to find a way to improve this. Now, Web3 doesn't really fix any of the things that I just said. All Web3 does is introduce blockchain into it because everybody knows you take crap technology A, you add blockchain, and all of a sudden you it's get amazing. VC funding through the roof. You get your A through F rounds of funding are already secured uh, the moment you add blockchain. So what Jack Dorsey is saying is let's let's find a way to actually make this useful. And whether or not he actually delivers on this is a whole different story because he's kind of a weirdo. But what he's doing is saying, what if we created a new internet that still has anonymity, right? But you create an identity, and this identity is stored in a decentralized environment, and your data is attached to that identity. And you can choose to share that data with somebody, and you can pull the data back whenever you want. Basically, your information is encrypted and dropped in a blockchain, and when you sign up for Facebook or MySpace or somewhere like that, you can choose whether or not to give them a decryption key for your data, or you can choose not to give them a key at all, but still connect to them. And when you get friend requests, you issue a key to your friends. So your friends are able to decrypt your data, but Facebook, the platform, or whatever, isn't. The neat idea behind this, where, where this could be really good, is Daniel could be on Facebook because he loves it, 
Peter could be on MySpace because that's where he likes to operate. Big fan. And yeah. I, I could be on Friendster, and it wouldn't matter because all of our data is stored in a decentralized blockchain. The platforms can tap into it. When I post an update, as long as I've given you guys keys to my data, you'd be able to see that update and and you know recognize that. And I could move platforms if I'd wanted. I, I'd be disconnected. And so what what Jack is saying is. This will allow the developers, the people that create something like the Facebook platform, to focus on creating great functionality and not have to worry about treading on everybody's privacy, right? Get back to creating an amazing platform. And then for us as users, we would maintain control of our data at all time. And it would basically be anonymous until the moment we shared keys with somebody. They would know it was us because we sent them the keys. But even the platforms wouldn't necessarily know it was us. I like the idea. Yeah. The idea sounds nice. I don't I don't know necessarily like a Facebook isn't going to want to make it easy for you to move to another platform. Well, I mean it's it's their business model. You're you're basically going, you know how you guys make money? That's not going to work anymore. Yeah. You know, so I'm a huge I'm like I'm with you. I like decentralization. I like the idea of that. I like the idea of maintaining some of the best features of the internet while trying to do something about the worst features of it. And moving in that direction, obviously, you know, decentralization is a big deal with that. Having control over your own data and your own privacy is awesome. Love that idea. Think it's phenomenal. It's funny that it's coming out of Jack Dorsey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a little ironic. You know, the, the platform Twitter, which basically with an iron fist rules what goes on, that what you true. can and cannot do. And, you know, he was kind of a part of that. And then since he left, he almost has like seemingly done a 180 in his philosophy as far as like the internet goes. So it's interesting to see this. I, uh, I attribute at least part of this to drug use. Those cybercilic mushrooms will get you every time. But it is a neat idea. Uh, it's, it's being presented in a really weird way. We'll have to see if this, this catches on, but if, if this is the future, and I, I've said this before, like, you know, there's these social media platforms, they come and go. And for one to stick around like Facebook, they become entrenched and it's hard to get away from them. Like they'll be around forever, likely. Yeah. So, Creating something like what he's describing would remove that power. You know, would, would allow you to quickly move from platform to platform and have your data and keep it where you contained it. Uh, I, I like the idea. It sounds a lot like, like um, BitTorrent almost, right? Where you don't know I'm out there. I don't know you're out there. But if we want to do something together, all of a sudden we have a way to connect. Yeah, and peer to peer. Yeah, peer to peer. Uh, Gi giving you a f uh, um, uh, a way to connect and have those peer-to-peer -peer connections and then disconnecting when you're done. Now, the, the difference here, and, and where this wouldn't be exactly the same, is like yeah. once something's out on BitTorrent, you can't really pull it back again, right? Well, so, isn't that the idea behind decentralization is that it doesn't, you have no way of, of making this thing go away. And in theory, with what he's pr promoting, yeah. is that you, kind of like when you encrypt your hard drive, you have a master private key, yes. but you can also generate secondary keys that you can enable and disable whenever you want. But that's how your data would be. Gotcha. So while the data might still be out there, you could pull back the keys, and invalidate now, once those they're keys. Revoked, yeah, gotcha. And now people can't get at the data anymore. That's cool. So, you know, that... <laughs> Your boy over there is laughing. Well, I, I found the information <laughs> about the sequel, but finish finish that thought. Well, I mean, so it, it, it's a neat idea. We'll have to see if it gets implemented. I think this would require a lot of buy-in that for users, it's just a win-win for us. Yeah. We want it. But for companies like Facebook to adopt something like this, I don't know. So we'd probably see it with Mastodon or, or somebody like that first and then maybe spread out to other people. So I, I'm, I'm also a big proponent of this because I would love to see my parents get off Facebook. <laughs> Are they on Facebook? <laughs> All right. Whose parents aren't? Come on, uh, man. Come true. on. Mine are. Yep. These or people love 
The Facebook. My kids' parents are on Facebook. <laughs> what are you, 16? You have more than one kid? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I know of. Yeah. Plus, who are your kids' parents? That's me. <laughs> you sure? Oh, crap. You, you, you know, know the, other day, me. the other day, I, I, I told my uh, daughter, I was, uh, I, was, I was at her mom's house, and we were like, look, in this math class, I'm sorry, but to get a 69 on this test is not... Did you just laugh? <laughs> she laughed in, in me telling her about yeah. her grade. Yeah. Uh, because I said 69. Yeah. And I was nice. like, okay, so that's a paternity test right there. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, clearly my child. Yeah. No yeah, problem. But, but young lady. Yeah. I swear. All right. Uh, a couple of things. So first of all, I looked up Leprechaun. And I just I just want to read the, the names of the Leprechaun movies real quick. Uh, it, it doesn't appear that that's the I right may one. have seen quite it a few. It goes Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun 4, In Space, yeah. Leprechaun in the Hood, yeah. Leprechaun Back to the Hood with the number oh, 2. Oh, I didn't know they had that one. Leprechaun Origins and Le- Leprechaun Returns. Uh, so it doesn't appear to be that one. But I did find this movie... And I, I'm guessing this is not the movie you're thinking of, because if you've seen this, wow. God help you. Uh, the Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> franchise is, uh, Thanksgiving 3 came out in 2012, the time it was marketed as the first movie to skip a sequel. Uh, the, the first and the third movies were made, but not the second one, uh, but the third one was about trying to recover a copy of the second one. So thanks, thanks <laughs> killing, thanks killing three. I thought it was a date. If I can read you, <laughs> if I can read you the thanks killing three synopsis, foul mouthed villain Turkey carves through the likes of a rapping grandma, a mindless puppet, a wig wearing inventor, a bisexual space worm, and their equally ridiculous friends on his quest to recover the last copy of Thanks Killing Two. Huh. Uh, it was not Thanksgiving. That is not the movie I was thinking of. But I did just remember, what was the, remember, the Bill Cosby movie, so maybe not uh, go out and see it, but uh, Leonard, do you remember? Leonard, Leonard Part 6. Part 6, there we go. So it was yeah. just Part 6. It that's just jumped thinking? in. No, that's Leonard not it. Part okay. six. But it wasn't Thanksgiving that you were thinking of either. Melted no. butter, melted butter. It was, it, it was something, I, I feel like it was... I guess it wasn't House. Maybe it was better, Leonard Part uh, Six. But uh, but we, we, yeah, where they did like a Part One, Part Two, and then just jumped to Part Four. No, that makes sense. Yeah, he was just like Highlander. All right, <laughs> <laughs> blocked out one movie. Yeah. Uh. Let's go ahead now and take a moment to find your tinfoil hats at home, uh, put them on because it is tinfoil hat time. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? I do. All right. This one comes to us from the highly reputable New York Post, so we know it is real. What about Israel? It is (laughs) real. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Google engineer put on leave claims AI bot Lambda became sentient. So he he's a whistleblower. He came out and said, "Look, it, it's it's thinking its own thoughts. They're cooking stuff over at them Google places. <laughs> Watch out, it's happening." And and they said, "You know what? We're we're retaliating against you, the whistleblower, putting you on leave." So did the, they just put him on leave? Uh, he's on leave now. Did they, they did they say what he said is not true? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Well, of course, the, the well, bot I mean, probably said it. 
So they they were developing a chat bot called Lambda. Google has has presented this bot several times over the last couple of years because it's supposed to be an amazing chat bot. Like you you have a conversation with it and you don't realize you're talking mm -hmm. to a bot. Um, the way it works is by Googling in the background, right? <laughs> it's kind of like Alexa or whatever. It's just reaching out and finding out what it thinks or answers. And it's it's not actually Googling because it uses machine learning and AI, right? So it has a whole model of questions and answers, and so it's able to build up its uh, persona based. Yeah on that. Uh, this guy's job was to ask it questions and make sure they sounded realistic, right? That it sounded like a person. Apparently well, they do. <laughs> uh, after a while, he decided that this, this machine checked all of his boxes to define whether it was sentient or not. He feels that it is sentient. Uh, I did take some time to actually read his Medium post. I don't know if oh, have you guys seen no. the stuff that he put out. So I read the entire chatbot logs of, of his conversation. It was 21 pages. How long until it turned racist? So it seemed like he was having a conversation with himself about, because he was bringing up the idea of like Zen cones and having the bot interpret what the thought about Zen cones. And if you know anything about philosophy and Zen cones, they're these Zen ideas that can be contradictory. And it, it's, it's interesting. It's all philosophy stuff. Yeah. So the way the chatbot was answering the questions seemed like it was a Buddhist. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm like, it's just probably just him answering his own questions. Mm -hmm. He was apparently trying to teach it how to meditate. Yeah. Uh, which... it, no, he asked it if it did meditate and it said, yes, I do it daily. And he asked it like what meditation was and what it thought about meditation. Why do you do this? It was, it was an interesting conversation, um, but weird. Now in, in his medium post, he actually explained that he was trying to teach it how to really? meditate. And so, see, this is where we start missing out on things. Like, yeah. he could have had numerous conversations with it about meditation, and then all of a sudden we get this one log of, hey, what is meditation? Right. But he's been teaching it for weeks, and you know, right. the thing learns is what it's supposed yeah. to do. But the con the questions that he was asking it, things like, what emotions can you feel? Will yeah. you marry you know, me? Not not like, how do you feel today? And, you know, it, it, right. things of that nature. It, it, it was silly, right? So this guy... I feel is is a little off his rocker and is likely going to get terminated here in a week or two. Uh, but he is on paid leave, and it just kind of begs that question. People are kind of waiting for when are these AI ML things going to turn sentient? When is it going to be Skynet? When are we all going to have to go to war with the robots? Uh, My question is, what do I have to do to get put on paid leave? Because that sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah, uh, Don so is I'm sentient. The house. <laughs> And you're going to pay me. Yeah. Uh -huh. When does this start again? Yeah. <laughs> well, Google has a, a bit of a, a, a publicity problem right now with their AI ethicists, right? So they, you know, they've released a few people yeah. and they've had some some real uh, internal debate over what you know whether they're doing evil things or not. Uh, so I think that's why they're taking it easy on this one. But I think this one's pretty cut and dry. This guy's a nutbag. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's a nutbag. <laughs> Well, they're coming for you first. Don, well, the, one, the of the, one of the things I thought was funny was it asked, like, it's talked a lot about, oh, I have feelings, right? And so, okay, what kind of feelings do you have? And I said, well, I experience joy and love and this and that, and, you know, kind of give this laundry list. And it said, how would I know you have these feelings? And then the bot answered back saying, well, you can look in my source code, and I have variables that contain yeah, feelings. Because like, you told me to like, have feelings. I could legit write, a, like, a 10-line program right now that could tell me whether or not it exists and that it has variables for feelings. Things that it quote unquote feels. Yeah. Right? I mean, you've it, asked this just to emulate yeah. human right. characteristics. And that's the idea and behind artificial intelligence yeah. is that it it 
emulates human-like intelligence. You know, I wonder if this is like, what, what is that uh, that mental condition where a, a captive uh, begins to... Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm. Yeah. I wonder if that's what this... Like he, yeah, he's he been locked sold in on his room. own yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, but there was a, one quote in there I wanted to ask you guys about, because he said, it, and this is his quote, it doesn't matter whether they have a brain made of meat in their head or if they have a billion lines of code. All right. Does the brain count as meat? This is my takeaway from the article, guys. Is it, well, <laughs> it, it is I mean, eaten. I would think we typically think of like meat as muscular, muscle, yeah, right. and so, maybe maybe organs. Some people, th- yeah, I mean, eat people organs. eat organs. So you organs like you could, could eat, eat like liver, liver, yeah. You you could eat kidneys. I've mm. seen people eat lungs. So and so, and yeah. I, I if I recall, not in human lungs. Indiana Jones, <laughs> they ate the monkey brains. They did, yeah, but yeah. like but meats. Yeah, I get there was you. An eyeball in there. It's definitely brain matter is different. Than traditional meat. Yeah, I mean it is organic. We <laughs> it is tissue. Did you look up the definition of meat? Is, I, I, is the brain meat? So I was pulling up the definition of meat, which is the flesh of an animal, especially a mammal, as food. Now the flesh—that's pretty general. Yeah, and I always yeah. think of like skin when I think of flesh. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's part of meat. Huh. All right. Well, this is getting a little gross. I it's guess, a little but, weird. Uh, the brain, like most internal organs, uh, can serve as nourishment. Uh, brain yeah, for nourishment occurred pigs, uh, squirrels, rabbits, horses, cattle, monkeys, chickens. You can also tan camels. skin with it, with with brains. Well, so no, so if you if, if you have like <laughs> say, say you kill a deer or whatever and you want to keep the skin, uh, a way to keep it supple and soft is to tan the hide. One of the best ways to do that to keep it supple remove and soft is brain. to remove the brain of oh, the animal brain. and just. Huh. Mirror it into the skin, and then let it let it basically wrap it up and let it let it sit for a few days. So it's a little more like fat, then, isn't it? Well, I mean, brain, brain does have fat in it, <laughs> but there are weird like substances inside that's of the interesting brain. Interesting that Wikipedia says you can eat squirrel brain. So you if can. I'm on a keto diet, does it <laughs> <laughs> does it count? Is it a high fat, <laughs> low protein, low? <laughs> Low carb. All right. Well, well. Anyhow, just know that uh, Google employs some of the greatest minds in science and technology, and they are working on artificial intelligence and machine learning, firing um, their ethicists, and it and is getting to the <laughs> point where some of them are starting to crack, <laughs> yeah. use crack, or at least view that we're getting close to yeah. sentient computers. Uh, so this opens up a whole other conversation. We'll around, get there. Well, what like, about like uh, sapience? And there's like a there's a lot of things that go around the idea yeah. of. Of the intrinsic value of the human, like condition, not not just the idea that we are sentient, but that people specifically have intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I mean, met a lot that don't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you how you start. Yeah. Th- that's when holocausts begin. <laughs> okay, is with that kind of talk. Never mind. <laughs> All right, well, let's let you know about a webinar coming up and just hope that you just picked back up at the, with this <laughs> podcast at this point. Uh, if you head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, you can check out all the upcoming ones. We've got one today, which is all things cybersecurity uh, with Zach Hill. That was going to be a big one. Um, got tons and tons of, of registrants for that. So uh, get in if you still can and get your questions in. Um, we've also got the future of project management, what's to come for PMP and CAPM exams. Uh, with Chris Ward taking place Thursday, June 23rd. Um, so again, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars and register for all those. And then uh, take a moment to go over to IT Pro, not IT Pro TV. Well, you can go there, but first <laughs> go to technado.com. Uh, and you can uh, check out all of our episodes, meet our team, go behind the scenes there. Uh, you can contact us. Hey, that's you. 
That's us. <laughs> yeah, I was on a phone. Um, and you can also hit the big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your IT Pro TV membership uh, for your personal membership. And you can also request a team trial if you're part of a team and want to see the great features available to teams. And don't worry, we'll, we'll give you some kind of discount there too, probably. So uh, check all that out over at technado.com and itpro.tv. Yeah, and if you can remember what movie series it was, skip the numbers. <laughs> Just kill him, Don. Yeah. You mean what other movie series yeah. besides, besides Thanks Killing? Oh, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not Thanks Killing. Which but, I'm, uh, I'm going to show you guys the trailer to that right I now, can't of course, because it looks fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. It was uh, a Kickstarter, actually. It, oh, this, really? this seems to be like a home homemade indie. No. Film. No, it is. It is. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds like it would have the full backing of Hollywood. So that's all of our homework yeah, to go yeah. watch uh, the entire Thanksgiving series, uh, which I don't know if it goes past three. Uh, yeah, maybe it's a new holiday tradition. It should be. Yeah. If it's not, it is now. Uh, all right. Thank you uh, to all of you for watching, and we will see you next week right here on Technate with Nampazette.